All right, guys. Well, I am excited this morning to get to introduce to you some friends of ours that have traveled all the way from Salina, Kansas. Anybody been to Salina, Kansas before? All right, yeah. There is a good four square church there that, Lauren, you planted it, correct? And Erie. Um, and 40 years they were there serving. And just this year transitioned out of that and, and passed the baton. So I think that just deserves an applause of and of itself. Well, that's amazing. That is so amazing. When I grow up, I want to be just like you. Um, and so Lauren and his wife, Erie, are here to share with us this morning. And um, before I forget, we are, we're going to just pass around the planners um, one more time as a, just a way to say thank you to them um, and have a, a love offering for them. So can we um, pray over this and just ask that the Lord would bless them uh, for their time of coming and sharing with us this morning? Father God, we thank you for Lauren and Erie, and God, we thank you for coming all this way to be with us this morning, and God, so we, we bless, uh, we want to bless them with just a, a financial gift to say thank you for coming and sharing um, of their time and their efforts, and, and to, to take the time to hear your word uh, from heaven for us this morning. So God, we bless them, in your mighty name we pray, amen. So we're going to pass those planners around, if, if Holy Spirit leads, please um, feel free to give to that. So, um, yeah, we want to invite uh, Lauren to come up, and Erie, if you want to as well, it's up to you guys, but uh, would you welcome them? Give them a big welcome this morning. Praise God. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Praise God. Well, what a joy it is to be here this morning. You want to stand up, Erie? At least let's tell everybody there's my beautiful wife. Almost 48 years we've been married, and, and uh, you know, we, I was here, we were here in, I think, 2007 or so with, with, with Brent and spoke at the church, but you, you know this about your church, don't you? This is really a special church. It really is. You know what I think of is I think of, uh, in the book of Revelation, Jesus talks about candlesticks being in churches, you know, and he talks about, and, and I think what, what you have here is you have a candlestick of God's presence and worship and freedom, and, and uh, you, you, your church is kind of a flagship for Foursquare in the area of worship, and, you know, you know, you, I mean, your worship teams led worship a lot of our gatherings and things like that. But that's a special thing for you here, the, the, the freedom and yet the order. You know, uh, Paul talks about in Corinthians, do all things decently and in order. But you, you do all things and you got real good order. So what, what a great church. And it's a privilege to be here. And Sean and Deanna, and it really is, yeah. Give a hand to your church that, that's here. And, so, and, and Sean and Deanna, what a great thing to see them take over the church. Transitions are difficult for churches, too aren't they? And so I know that it's a smooth transition because Sean's came in after Brent and Tana and a great thing. And we, we just experienced that in our church, how important that is. That's, that can be a really great time for a church and a really dangerous time for church when, when they transition too. So anyway, those are just some things I was thinking about as we start today. Well, you know, in, uh, right after the first of the year, in Jan right, I think it was almost like January 1st, you know how sometimes the Lord will just speak to you something real specifically? He said two words to me that I really know is from me. He said, be prepared. I just heard that real strong in my heart. And I thought, oh boy, that, I don't know. It kind of sounded like a warning. And, and, and the scripture, one of the scriptures I thought of is Romans 13, 11. It kind of captures the urgency that I felt when God spoke this to me. It says, and do this knowing the time 
that now it's high time to awake out of sleep for our salvation is now nearer than we first believed. So I thought about that. Scripture kind of carries an urgency, you know, and kind of a come on, you know. And so, and so what I didn't know about that word prepared, uh, be prepared, is that uh, shortly after that I got COVID for three weeks, you know, and it was miserable. Man, I mean, I thought I was going to just croak. You know, I wasn't a very good patient either, my wife said, you know. But I survived it, didn't have to go to the hospital. But, I mean, it was nasty and not good. And then right after that I'd had a, a little on my back for a while. And one of the guys I jogged with, he said, you should get that looked at. And then the long story short, I got that cut out and that was like 25 stitches and, and stuff underneath that. And then it split open again. And then right before we started on this trip, it's kind of opened up again. So I've just had a, so anyway, I just told you all that not to feel sorry for me because I know people go through a lot more difficult things. But I was also thinking about when the Lord told me to be prepared, that was really comforting to me because it's like he said, I'm not going to spare you from all this stuff, but just kind of be prepared, you know, and so it helped me get through that, and it also made me think, as we, we have the privilege now of almost every weekend getting to speak in a different church, a four-score church, and we have some great churches all over the Midwest, and different sizes, different things, but just faithful churches that are just doing their best, and so I, I, I felt like this message, a, a message came from these, this word, be prepared, from, from Nehemiah chapter 3, and so I got a question for you today, and then I'll kind of explain the question are your gates in place? And what I felt like is that the Lord showed me something from Nehemiah chapter 3 that, that uh, will cause you to be prepared. Maybe another way to say be prepared is to be ready, Jesus said. Be ready. And so are you ready today? Are you prepared for whatever the Lord has for us? I, I, don't you think the church is kind of coming out of a, it's come, kind of coming out of this dark night of COVID and kind of re-coming out, you know? And, and I think it's going to be some exciting times. But what a, what a difficult time for pastors to pass pastor through this season, but, but I think we're coming out of that time. So I want to talk to you about being prepared. I want to ask you whether your gates are in place. And, and something maybe you've understood from the, from the scripture uh, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the things that happened to Israel were written for an example to us from whom the end of the world have come. In other words, the things that happened to Israel uh, spirit, uh, physically, spiritually, they have great significance for us. And so the Old Testament, a lot of, uh, there's some types there that are really important to us. And one of the great, great ones are Ezra and Nehemiah. You know, and Ezra is when the temple was rebuilt. And for us, that's a picture of us being born again, where the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. You know, and we're born again. The temple's been rebuilt, right? Now you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's the book of Ezra. But then the book of Nehemiah is a picture of the walls being rebuilt. You know, and that's a picture, Nehemiah is a picture of the Holy Spirit who comes to rebuild those walls and kind of the sanctification process. Of, of making us whole and mature and strong in Christ. And, and that process in Nehemiah uh, had a lot to do with getting the walls rebuilt and the gates in place. And so I want to talk to you about what these, what these gates represent in our life and, and, and say that if you get your gates in place, then, then you, you, you'll be prepared for whatever we face in, in the next generation. You know, there's a, a scripture, and I think I might have read, it's in Proverbs 25, 28. I might have said Psalms on the notes I had, I don't know. They're falling behind me there. But anyway, it says for, uh, it says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city with the walls broken down. 
You know, and sometimes there's people that come to know Jesus dramatically, but they never get the walls rebuilt. And so, so the enemy knocks them around and things don't happen. But, but once those walls are rebuilt, you know, the scripture talks about our walls being salvation, our gates being praise. You know, that, that it strengthens us so we're ready to handle the things we have. And, and here's the scripture that I'm basing the message on this morning. It's Psalm 147.13. It says, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates and he has blessed your children within you. And that's what I believe the Lord wants to do today. He wants to strengthen the bars of your gates. We're going to take a trip. It won't take a long trip, I promise, around the city of Jerusalem and look at the gates there. And I want you to think about which gate do you need strengthened in your life? Because I think he wants to strengthen the bar of these gates today. And it's interesting that that verse says, then your children will be blessed within you. You know, the enemy doesn't let go of our lives easy sometimes. You know, when God, just like when children of Israel came out of Egypt, uh, they said, they told Moses, you go, but your children stay here. You go, but your possessions stay here. And we have to kind of get that attitude, not a hoof. You know, everybody's going with us, you know. And, and so God, sometimes God blesses, uh, people get saved, but it never affects their family. But this verse says, if you can get your gates strengthened, your children will be blessed with them too. And that's what we want, don't we? We want our whole, everyone to be blessed that way. So, so we're going to look at these gates here today, and, and I hope it'll be meaningful to you. And I want to pray that the Lord will just open our eyes as we go around Jerusalem today. We're going to take a trip around Jerusalem. So, Lord, thank you for this wonderful church, God. Thank you for your presence here, Father. Lord, thank you that your candlestick is here, Lord. Thank you that, that it's been established here. And thank you you brought Sean and Deanna too to continue the legacy of this church, God. Bless this wonderful church, Lord. May they never lose that freedom of spirit and yet the order of your spirit, Lord, that, that when people come in, they'll say, you know what? God's in this place. God's here. God's here. And we thank you that you're here today. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've allowed us to live during this interesting time in our nation, politically, socially, uh, with COVID and all those things. And Lord, we want to be prepared. We want to be prepared to be your witnesses. We want to be ready for whatever is in store, ready even if you're going to come and get us and to go to be with you, Lord. And so today, as we take these dear saints that are gathered here today around the city of Jerusalem, uh, show, show us the gate that you want to strengthen the bar of in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So can you put that picture up? There they are. There's the gates. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start at the valley gate, and we're going to go to the dung gate, up the hill, around the corner, the old gate, and we're going to finish with the old gate today. So we're going to look at the gates of Jerusalem, the valley gate, the valley gate in Jerusalem. And by the way, Sean, you, you've been, I heard in your last sermon, you've been in Jerusalem. You're talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. I listened to your sermon. What a great sermon on that. You know, that was the part that affected me the most, too, was the Garden of Gethsemane. I'll never forget that. Experience. But, but the valley gate in Jerusalem overlooked uh, the valley of Hinnom, which means the valley of flames, of, of hell. And it also overlooked something called the dragon gale. What's the valley of gate? The assurance of salvation. You're, the first gate that needs to be established in your life is you need to know that you know that you know that you're saved that you're right with God, that, that you're accepted in the beloved. There, there's now no, thou, there, no therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, and in 1 John, it says, uh, these things are written so that you would know that you have eternal life. You know, you know a lot of people, their lives are shaky because they don't really know God loves them. 
You know, they they aren't really uh, secure in the fact that they're accepted in the beloved, that God's for them and not against them, that he loves them like he loves his son, Jesus Christ. That's such a crucial, simple thing, but many people don't have that gate established in their lives, so they're always questioning God's goodness, you know? What will cause you to quit? You know, I know a pastor for a long time, and some people, when anything bad happened, they questioned whether God was good or not or why this is happening. But if your valley gates established, you know that God's good. You know that God loves you because he proved it when he sent Jesus and we're accepted in the beloved. And, and that's such a, a crucial thing, I think, that sometimes takes years to get established in people's life. To, to, to believe that, used to say, I uh, used to say that God carries your picture in his wallet, right? But nobody carries pictures in the wallet anymore. Now is God carries your picture on his iPhone, you know? I mean, your, your picture's on God's iPhone, you know? He, do you believe that? Do you believe that God smiles when he looks at you? I mean, that, that, do you believe that he, that he likes you and that he loves you? There, and there's no condemnation. Condemnation is a horrible thing where you feel less than. You don't measure up then. But, but understanding who you are, that, that's such a, a crucial thing. Being able to look out over the valley of Hinnom and say, I'm going to heaven. I know it. I'm right with God. I'm going to heaven. That, that's, that's the valley gate. That, that's such an important thing in our life. And along with that, they, that, the valley gate looked over the dragon well, which means you understand the authority you over the over the wicked one. You understand the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus and that all authority in heaven and earth is given to that name. And you have now the, the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus to pray over your family and to stand against the wicked one. Do you know that? That's the valley gate. That's, a, that's such an important gate to be established in our life that it starts there, that assurance and that, that understanding that we, that we have our, our, our salvation, uh, it, it, you know, is, is is established in our life. You know, I was thinking about uh, David's mightiest man uh, was Jasobeam, and he was a called he was a tackle mite in Second Samuel twenty three. So I always thought, why was he David's mightiest man? I'm going to spiritualize it because his his tackle mite means one who sits in a seat. And what I thought of is that the mightiest spiritual warriors are those that know who they are in Christ. They know, they know they're seated at the right hand of the Father. They know that they're in Christ Jesus and everything that Christ Jesus has is theirs. And they're, those are the mightiest spiritual people, the people that know who they are. You know, I, I, I heard a story, and this maybe shows my age. Well, actually, I read the story. But how many of you remember uh, Folgers Coffee? And if you drink Folgers Coffee this morning instead of Starbucks, you know, most of you. But, but anyway, there was a story about uh, this young boy who, who on an advertisement for Folgers Coffee, Folgers Crystals, that's how long ago it was, he wore a red sweater. And they told him, we'll give you $100 every time we use that red sweater in our advertisement. So they gave him $100, and then he forgot about it. But this young man kept seeing his red sweater show up in commercials, you know, and it's part of his body. Long story short, he collected $15. million dollars from, from, from Folgers, and the, 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 uh, the moral of that story is know who, know who you are, you know. That was, he knew that was him on that thing, and, and they told him $100 every time they used it, and they used it that many times, you know. We got to know who we are. 
the valley gate. We got to know who we are in Christ and know what's been done for us. And we got that valley gate established in our life. The second gate that you see is there is is the uh, the refuge gate or the dung gate. You know, if we as we go to that, and and that's the that's where the garbage of the city was taken out. That's where all the trash in the city's taken out. And we have to have a refuge gate in our life. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us uh, from all unrighteousness. We gotta, we gotta be able to uh, make short accounts with God. When we begin to have a bad attitude, we gotta be able to get it right right away. And you have to have a refuge gate established in your life, don't you? You, you gotta have, uh, where, where you don't allow bitterness to set in. One of the greatest enemies the, the Lord has against the church is to get people offended. <laughs> Or an offense sets in. And instead of getting rid of that offense and, 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 and giving it to the Lord, we, we let that offense fester and it, become, and it just ruins our life. So the refuge gate is such an important gate in our life. I was thinking about, uh, uh, I, we call, Erie and I call it the great garbage war of 2007. Our daughter was living uh, in college and living with two other girls in, in college and they had a garbage war. They lived in an apartment and, and so when we went in the kitchen, there's piles and piles piles of plastic bags full of garbage because none of them would say it was their turn to take the garbage out, you know, because the trash, the trash bin was quite around the corner. So there was garbage bags piled up all over the place. Some Christians are like that. They let things fester in their life and they don't confess them and they don't, and they don't get short orders with God. Jesus said to ask every day, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those that trespass against me. Is there anything in my life today, Lord, that's getting out of hand? Is there an attitude towards someone? You know, that refuge gate is so, so important in our life. And also I think in James it says to confess your faults one to another. You might be healed. And, you know, the Catholics have confession, but we have times with our brothers and sisters that you need somebody to say sometimes, hey, listen, I got to confess something to you. I need help with this, you know. That's a refuge gate. That, that's a healthy thing and, and such an important thing in our life that we, that we get that refuge gate established in our life. Then the next two gates, as you go around Jerusalem, there's two gates. There's the fountain gate and the water gate, and it led to the king's pool. And I call those the relationship gates the relationship gates, the king's pool, coming to know the king, drawing from the waters of salvation and coming to know the king. And we get it through the water gate and the, I mean, through the fountain gate and the water gate, the Holy Spirit gate and the word gate. Through the spirit and the word, we come to know the king. Are those gates established in your life? How, I, I think the fountain gate's well established in this church. You, know, you can sense the freedom of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. But how's the Holy Spirit gate in your life? You know, if you're experiencing any life of God, it comes from the Holy Spirit. You know that, right? The, the Nicene Creed says that the Holy Spirit, he is the Lord, the giver of life. The Holy Spirit brings the life of the Father and the life of the Lord Jesus to us and makes it real. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is so critical, you know. Thank God we, we're, we're a church that believes in being born again, born of the Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, and being, and being led by the Holy Spirit. But everything you can get from the Holy Spirit will help you get to know the King. It'll just help you get to know King Jesus. You know, I was thinking about there's two types of Christians. There, Acts 19, Paul found some disciples down there, and he asked them about the Holy Spirit. You know what they said? We, we have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. You know what's sad? That some Christians live their life like there's no Holy Spirit. 
If, if, without the Holy Spirit, Christianity is just religion. It's just all up to you. It's just you're the only one that can take care of things like that. The Holy Spirit brings the life of God. And being, getting to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to know his touch and to be filled with the Spirit. And he's the helper. You know, Jesus says to the, to the disciples in Luke 24, he said, don't you leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from the Holy Spirit. I love that Greek word endued. It means to be clothed with. It means to be comfortable with. It means to sink down into. You know, like a, like a, if you have like a favorite sweatshirt, that's just, I got a favorite sweatshirt that's just not too heavy or not too light, just perfect when you want to relax, you know? And do you, do you have the whole, God wants you to get comfortable with the Holy Spirit. Not, not be afraid of him and, 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 be in and know when he's touching your spirit and be sensitive to him, the wonderful Holy Spirit. Sometimes he's called the Cinderella of the Trinity because he, he, he always points to the Father and the Son. But how, how established is the fountain gate in your life? You know, it used to be, and, and I, 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 sometimes I repent before the Lord of this in our, uh, our church there at, at Emmanuel in Salina, 40 years pastor. And in the beginning, it seemed like almost everybody knew about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But today, sometimes we don't, we don't hear about it as much. And a lot of people in church uh, haven't heard the message of this wonderful thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And thank God. Well, I, I tell you, I never would have made it without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful that I got saved one day. And the next day, he got baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, it just, uh, and the Holy Spirit, that fountain gate is so important in our life. And then the water gate. I mean, what you could say over and over again as a pastor of a church is how important is a daily uh, committed time in the Word of God. It's so important. What's the greatest thing you, you can do for your church? Have a quality, daily, life-giving time in the Word of God. You know, where Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, that's from Deuteronomy 8, right? And that's from manna. That's the story of manna. He said he gave them manna that he might, he might make them know that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so the, the, the manna, they had to gather it every day, didn't they? And it stunk if they left it for the day before. And I think that's saying you need a daily time on the word of God. You know, the greatest thing you can do for your church is to be, is to have a quality time in the Word of God. So we're hearing God through the Word. And we're understanding. The priests, whenever they went to the, uh, went into minister at the, at the, in the tabernacle, the last place they stopped was at the laver, wasn't it? And they washed in the laver, the washing of the water of the Word. Are you taking a shower in the Word of God every day? How would it be if you didn't take a shower but once every month or so, or once every week or so, it'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? Well, your spirit life can get pretty bad if you never wash in the Word of God, if you never wash your heart and your life, it, it cleanse yourself from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. The Word's like a mirror, and reading the Word can help with attitudes that show up in our life. So those two gates, the, the fountain gate and the water gate, led to the king's pool, coming to know the king. You know, uh, Isaiah 12 says, with joy will we drink water out of the wells of salvation. And then that day we'll say, praise the Lord, coming to know Jesus through the word and the spirit. 
That's so important in our life. And, and uh, learning to really know him. Come to, you know, living our lives out of that secret place. You know, the, the Matthew 6 talks a lot about the secret place. And the secret place is you and Jesus. Wherever you and Jesus meet, that's the secret place. And God wants his people to live out of the secret place. Live out of that, live out of that secret place relationship with him. You know, I, I, it's funny because I, when I get to travel like this, it's great because I can tell any story I want to. My, our church probably has heard some of my stories. 10, 15 times, you know, but I can tell any story I want to. You haven't heard any of them, you know, but one story, you know how sometimes your experiences uh, really, uh, they capture kind of your relationship with God. And I had something that happened to me right after I was saved that, that, uh, that I'll, I'll never forget. Such as, it's a kind of a dumb little story, but it's been so profound in my life. I, you know, I came to know Jesus uh, just dramatically, like at Damascus Road, got back from Vietnam, drug addict, messed up life, I'm telling you, really messed up, and, and came to know Jesus dramatically, got baptized with the Holy Spirit, and then I was telling the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, I was working at the state grain inspection in Salina, Kansas, in the middle of harvest, and, and I, that day I said, Lord, I'm not going to drink any water or eat any food today, just to tell you I'm so thankful for what you, I already met my wife right after that, you know, before that, and so life was just coming together out of, out of just a mess that I'd been in, and so that day I I got off work and I went to the local YMCA in Salina, Kansas, and I sat down beside a pop machine, and you know, a soda machine. And as soon as I sat down, a can of Gatorade popped out of that machine, you know. And, and, and you know, now that's a simple thing. And you say, well, that was just, you know, somebody stick some money in and it came out late. But I want to tell you, that profoundly influenced me. What I understood that day is God saw and watches everything. And I can live my life at the secret place. He and I, he's watching everything that I do. And my life is to reflect that and everything that I do. And that, that simple story about that Gatorade really helped me understand how personal God is and how much he watched. I think he popped, he touched that, that pop machine and let a can of Gatorade pop out as soon as I sat down to say, son, I saw that sacrifice you made today of drinking nothing. So the secret place, coming to know the king, you know, that, that the king's pool, that, that's such a, a crucial thing, you know, to live out of the secret place. So let me just read, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, theologians that write a lot about that contemplative or about that life. And, and I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It was a great classic that's passed down. And Brother Lawrence was a monk and he talked about how learning to live out of the secret place. And here's what he said. He said, the time of business, he worked in the kitchen for, took, made, uh, washed dishes for all the other in the monastery. He said, the time of business does not does, does not with me differ from the time of prayer and the noise and the clatter of my kitchen while several persons are at the same time calling for different things I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were on my knees you know he learned to live in the secret place Another, Frank Kelly, a, 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 he's actually a Quaker theologian. He said, we need to live our lives perpetually bowed in worship while very busy in the life of daily affairs. What a powerful testimony. You can live out of the secret place. You can live in this world, you, you're seated in heavenly places, but yet living busy in a busy life. What a wonderful goal. Uh, uh, Frank Laubach says, then you can make each minute gloriously rich. What a great goal. So coming to know the king, right? That's that gate that's so important to be established in our life. Now we're going around Jerusalem, and then we're going to the next gate, the horse gate. The horse gate, uh, that's where all the work 
workplace. That's where the, I don't think they had trucks in those days, but that's where the horses and wagons came in. It's where the work of the city took place. You know, the, the, the horse gate. How's the horse gate in your life? How, how, how are you working for the Lord? You know, it's not just enough to know him. How were you serving for the serving for the Lord? You know, Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it's God that works in you to will and to do your good, good, good pleasure. You know, uh, and when, when the Lord was examining the, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, every church, he said, I know your works. I know your works. You know, I, I, I see you. And so, our, you know, the book of James almost didn't make it into the canon of Scripture because they said it was arguing a work salvation. But, but it was made it into the Scripture because I think works, uh, faith and works are connected. You know, and I saw something that I hadn't seen before in Ephesians 2. Let me just read, read this. It's pretty simple, but, but it, it shows a connection between, between uh, our works. Let's see. Let me get the right verse here. Let me get my, in my notes here. Oh, here, oh, here it's, it's Ephesians 2. Yeah, here we go. It says, so, uh, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And then it, says, then it goes on to say, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God beforehand uh, prepared that we should walk in them. And so in that, it's, one, it's one sentence in the Greek. And what it's saying is that you're saved by grace, and then God's grace has, has created certain good works that you were created to do, and he created those beforehand. I don't know if that made sense. I've got it confused there. But what I saw there is a connection between being saved by grace and doing works by grace you know they go hand in hand you can't have that James was right you need both of them James said show me your faith and I'll show you my works so you know so faith you we we as Christians need to be serving somewhere don't we we really do we need the horse gate established in our life we we just we need to be doing finding our gifts and serving and I, I love the church here the way the church is helping with all that but that horse gate is so important in our life to, to, to find a place to serve and to find what the, what the Lord's doing in your life in that area. That, that, that's such an important thing, I think. And then the next gate, we're, we're, I told you it wouldn't take too long. We'll get all the way around Jerusalem here, is the eastern gate the eastern gate. Remember the eastern gate and the eastern gate and, and according to Ezekiel, it says in the eastern gate that, that the, the Ezekiel 44, 1 through 3, they said shut up the eastern gate because that's where the king's going to come in. The prince is going to come in. The, the eastern gate re represents the hope of his coming. If you're a healthy Christian, you need to have the blessed hope of his coming burning brightly in your heart. You know, the hope of his coming. The answer to this world is not our, the, who the president is or what happens in this world. It's that Jesus Christ is going to come back. That's the blessed hope of the church. And God wants that hope to be burning bright in people's lives. It's, the, it's the, the capital H hope. All other hope goes along with it. And hope is so important in a Christian's life. The Bible says it's a work, the Christian life is a work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. What gives us patience and, and you know, staying power? It's hope. It's hope. It's, hope is confident expectation of the goodness of God. 
You know, God, God, and the, and the big hope is that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to win. You know, uh, living down in Kansas, uh, I love sports and things, and I've been a KU basketball fan for a long time. And KU didn't have the best year this year, but, but I have a horrible habit about KU basketball because I don't trust myself watching it when they aren't doing good. So what I do is I DVR the game, you know, and, and if they win, I watch it. And if they lose, I don't even watch it, you know, but here, but here's the key is when I know they win. I can watch that game and I don't care if, if, if the McCormick fouls out or somebody gets hurt or they get technical fouls or they get behind by 20 points. I don't worry at all because I know they're going to win because I watched the end already. I know that they're going to win the game because I already watched the end of the score. Then I watch it ahead of time. Listen, for Christians, we win. We really do win. We win in the end. We do win. Jesus comes back. We are going to heaven. Now, that hope needs to burn so bright in our life that it overwhelms all the difficulties and the problems that we have in our life, that we win. You know, that hope, hope is such an important gate. And even more today, don't you think? Than the times we're living in with COVID and everything, we gotta be our, our one of the greatest testimonies you can have. Peter says that people will come up to you and they'll ask you the reason for the hope that dwells within you. We need to be the most hopeful of all people during this time because we're Christians and to be able to shake. I heard I think it was listening. We you know driving. We've been driving all over the place and listen to. I think it was uh, Joel Osteen. He was telling the story about the old mule that was getting old and he was and so they they threw him down in this pit. They threw him down in a, an abandoned well and then this old mule was down there and they and he started feeling dirt fall on his back. You know and he said they're they're burying me. They're just putting me out the pasture and he said I can either stand here and die or I can, every time the dirt hits his back, he would shake it off and step up, you know, and so he'd throw more dirt in and he'd shake it off and step up and he got clear out of the hole, you know. That's hope, you know. You got the tribulations and stuff that comes, you know, we got to shake it off and keep stepping up, you know, and so have the, anyway, I thought that was a good illustration. A pretty good one about hope, right? You like, that was good, yeah, okay. All right, let's go on around the rest of the, the gates here. The myth god gate, or called the inspection gate inspection gate. Everything was inspected that came into the city. No, that can't come in. That's contraband. Yes, that can came in. How strong, how strong are the bars of your inspection gate? How safe is your mind? How safe is your mind? How well do you inspect the thoughts that you can't, you can't control the thoughts when they come, but you can control the ones you think on. How safe is your mind? Sometimes a believer's mind can be really unsafe, you know? The inspection gate. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Where you inspect that thought. And you say, that's not a thought, that's not a thought that I should be thinking of. And you keep you, you gird up the loins of your mind. And you and the inspection gate is so important. I, I also think that during this COVID time, I think a lot of believers are are having to really keep watch what they think of and watch what they dwell on and watch the negativity that comes and keep that inspection gate strong in our life. First uh, Corinthians chapter six, verse two says, all things, Paul says twice in Corinthians, all things are lo uh, lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. You know, there's things that I choose not to do because they aren't working toward my goal. So the fruit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is temperance, self-control. 
You know, the pe- believers, some believers are wonderful believers, but they don't have the temperance gate established in their life. They don't have self-control. The lusts of the world and the lusts of the flesh are controlling their life, and, they, and that gate's not established. You know, that discipline, you know, discipline our minds and discipline our lives. Or it's a crucial gate. It really is a crucial gate in our life to have that, to be a master of your desires and passions, to have them in, in your life. And then the, as we go around, three gates left. We're, we're clear around the other side of the city. And the next two gates, I call it the, the sheep gate and the, and the, uh, uh, the fish gate, I, I call them the lordship gates of your life. How well are the lordship gates of your life? The sheep gate, following the shepherd. Following the shepherd. You know what I worry about sometimes as a believer, now I've been a believer a long time? Am I asking Jesus to follow me or am I following the shepherd? You know, I ask myself a lot that. Am I just asking him to bless my life and the things I'm doing or am I really following him? I really following him because he's he's at work. He is the sheep. The shepherd's out there working and, and he's busy trying to reach people. Am I following him or asking him to follow me? You know the the sheep gate. John ten says that my sheep know my voice. My, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. My sheep follow my voice. Do you know the voice of Jesus? Do you hear him? Do you obey him? Do you follow him? I, I think that's the most exciting thing that the Pentecostal church has to offer to the world. In fact, it's proved, as you said, Pentecostals is the empowerment of the laity, they call it. The empowerment. Every believer can hear the Lord and be led by the Spirit. Isn't that exciting to get up every day and say, Lord, what do, what, what, what do you want to do today, good shepherd? You know, I was thinking about just a little illustration of that. I had a, a good friend that died here recently, uh, Dennis Gersh. I grew up with him, and, and uh, I, I got saved. He went to the military. He didn't get saved. And so for years, I'd invite him to church. He never came to church. Whenever I talked to him about the Lord, he would, you know, say, I don't need that. You know, I mean, for, but then he got sick, you know. And, I, and I, I mean, every time I tried to talk to him, he'd almost get mad at me, you know, because he did see the change in my life. But then I was, I was, remember I was at home. This has been not even a year ago. I don't think it's even been a year ago. I was just at home uh, in my office there and, and, I, and I felt this strong impression from, from the Lord to go see him right then. And when I went and saw him that time, everything changed, you know. He, he broke down. He asked me if I'd do his funeral. He gave his life to Jesus. I prayed with him, you know. And that, that was being led by, by the, the good shepherd. It was, time, it was a good shepherd's time to capture his heart. And then about, then it was only about a month or two later, same thing happened. I was sitting at my, uh, sitting at home, and I felt this strong impression from the from the Lord. Go see Dennis right now. So I, I mean, right now. So I went and saw him. Listen, this is what happened. I walked into his house, walked up to him, and he died. He died. His daughter came out at the same time. We met right in front of him, and he went to be with Jesus right there. I was there at the perfect time to minister to his daughter. And you say, oh, that's, what am I saying that about my sin? I wish I could be led like that every minute. That's the most exciting thing in the world about Christianity to be led by Jesus and follow the shepherd. And he's at work, you know. But one, of the, one of the pictures, I don't know if we got that, the fish gate, we'll just tie the fish gate to it. The fish gate is the fishers of men. You know, how strong is your burden to reach the lost, you know? Did we get that picture from William Booth? Did you get that? Did we get that one? William Booth's picture of the, of the uh, did they put that in there? Yeah, there it is. Okay, yeah. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, right? You know about William Booth? This was his founding vision. And what he, what he saw is he saw this, this 
tumultuous sea, and he saw most of the people up on the platform just busy doing different things, praising the Lord. In the middle of it, the glorious being, who's Jesus, is right out in the middle of the sea rescuing people. And there's a few people helping him, but most of the people even have their backs to it and aren't watching. And that's the founding vision for the Salvation Army that burned so bright in William Booth's heart that he was always wanting to reach the lost, you know? You know, one of the dangers we have in becoming mature Christians is to lose our burden for the lost. And really, we can get so caught up in growing, which is nothing wrong with growing and being strong, but keep that gate, that fish gate, uh, strong in your life of reaching the lost, you know? One, one of the things that I like to do uh, when I get to travel is I like to jog, you know? And so I've, on all of our mission trips, I try to jog in, a, in the country I'm in. Every, st- every town I go to, I get to jog, and I got to jog in your city yesterday because I got, got there. And, that, and Sean put us up in that beautiful Holiday Inn uh, Rushmore, beautiful hotel. But you know, all around there, it's not so beautiful. You know that, right, don't you? Jogging down there, I saw so many homeless people, had people stop, stop me. The, one the, uh, uh, he was really drunk, and he asked me about running, and I was talking to him, and they were having a convention at the, at the Holiday Inn for AA, a lot of broken, hurting people, you know. And sometimes I don't ever want to be up on the sixth floor of this beautiful hotel forgetting that there's lost people that need Jesus. I'm so glad somebody shared Jesus with me when I was hitchhiking after coming broken life, coming from the military. Hitch, someone hitchhiked me down in Beverly on Sunset Boulevard in California and, and made all the difference in the world. When they told me about Jesus, all of a sudden something popped in my heart and I said, you mean this is real? This could, I could really change? Boy, don't forget about the power of the gospel. I mean, this wonderful church, don't, don't lose. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God, the salvation. Don't, don't lose your faith in the simple gospel, that it, just somebody hearing that simple message at the right time can totally change their life. Isn't that great? I mean, I, my prayer was so weak, but it changed my life. It was just, just God, if you're there, here's my life, you know. It was just something simple like that, but, but it took, and it took for almost 50 years now. It's real. Jesus is real, isn't he? And don't forget that when you're out there, that, that gospel. And so every church, don't, I, I worry about that as a church, especially during this COVID time, that we, we lose our fish gate. We lose our fish gate, you know, of reaching the lost. I know this church isn't going to do that, but that's so, such an important gate in our life, isn't it? That fish gate that, that, that's, in, that's in our life. And then the last gate's the old gate, the old rugged cross. Paul said, I've determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ. Going back to what I said about uh, having COVID, you know. When I, when I was sick during that time, uh, all I, all I could do is say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Yes, you know, and what I've thought of is I thought of when everything else is shaken, like it says in Hebrews 6, 6, the thing that can't be shaken is your faith in Jesus Christ. If every single thing was taken from your life, your faith in Jesus Christ would be enough to get you through. Isn't that true? It is. That's the old gate. The, per, the best product that we have to offer, even though worship and everything's done excellently around here, is Jesus. 
is Jesus. We just need to get people to Jesus. If they can get a personal relationship with Jesus, it can change anyone's life. And the gospel fits every culture, doesn't it? You know, it reminds me, uh, you heard the story about the little boy who went to Sunday school. And, and uh, you know, the teacher said, now, what uh, has a furry tail, lives up in a tree, and eats nuts, you know? And so uh, the, the little boy raised his hand and said, teacher, I, I know the answer is Jesus, but that sounds a lot like a squirrel, you know? Because the, the answer to everything in church is Jesus. And it is true. Jesus, everything is Jesus. Point, point to Jesus. The, the, and the cherubim, they look down at the mercy seat. Jesus is our mercy seat. And the whole attention of the church is Jesus. So if you look, at the, if you look around Jerusalem, can we put the picture up of, of Jerusalem again? And then I'll finish in prayer here today. Can, put, can you go back to the first picture? Is that possible? Maybe not. Okay, so Valley Gate, assurance of salvation, Dung Gate, conf uh, con conviction and confession, Fountain Gate, Holy Spirit Gate, Water Gate, uh, Word Gate, coming to know the King's Pool, it's not on there, the Horse Gate, your, your good works and serving, Eastern Gate, your Hope Gate, Inspection Gate, your, uh, uh, what you let in and what you let out, the Sheep and Fish Gate. Your, your lordship gates, are you following? The, and then the old gate, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today. If, if all those gates are established strong in your life, you'll be prepared for whatever happens, and you'll be ready when Jesus comes back. Amen? That's the discipleship, the sanctification process. So let's, let's pray together as we close today and, and just come before the Lord here and just ask him to help us now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this wonderful salvation that you've given us in Jesus Christ. And in fact, before we go on with the service, maybe there's someone here today that says, you know, I, I need to get my life right with the Lord. You know, I need to, to get, make Jesus the Lord of my life. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe, maybe you've called, fallen away from the Lord and you need to make him, you need to get your life right with him today. <clears throat> There's a wonderful verse in Revelation 3.20 where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in to him and him to me. You know, we have a door on our heart and we have to open that door and we have to say, Jesus, you take over. I'll get off the throne. You run my life now. I'm so glad I did that so many years ago. And maybe you're here today and you've never let Jesus Christ sit on the throne of your heart and be your Lord and Savior. And, or maybe you've fallen away and you'd like to get right with him. So just in the quietness of this moment, if that's you, would you just slip up your hand and maybe open your eyes and look up here. And I just want to pray with you that you get your life right with God. So that's you today, just wave at me. I don't want to miss anybody. Need to get your life right with God today. Here's the time to do it. Anybody like that today? Anybody like that? So Lord, I thank you for this great church. Lord, it's such a flagship church for your presence. And Lord, as we come out of this dark time of COVID, Lord, I pray that every believer in this church would be prepared that every gate in their life would be established and those bars would be strong and that we'd be your witnesses in these days, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done for us and thank you for this time we've had together today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you.